Um, I, this question is really important along with the question we asked before, because I think it has a lot to do today with the passage we're going to be in. Um, we're finishing our series in Ephesians, but first, uh, just a quick announcement. It's our last week in the book of Ephesians. You can keep reading Ephesians on your own. You don't have to stop that because we're not doing it, but we're going to start a series this summer that we're calling the story of the Bible in 16 verses. This is inspired by a book that was written on the 16 verses throughout scripture that tell us the story of scripture. And so kind of what it looks like to hit some key points throughout our scripture uh, that help point us to Jesus and really maybe make a little more sense of this great arc of story from creation all the way to glory when Jesus will return. And so we're gonna spend each week looking at a verse. Uh, we're actually doing this in 14 weeks, so a few weeks we get to do two verses. Um, we tried to take a few out, but it's kind of hard to take them out. So uh, we're going to get to look at these key verses. It's a great opportunity maybe to even understand better the bigger story and even understand for some of this Old Testament, uh, how does this, what is, why, do, why are we reading this? What does this have to do with Jesus, um, uh, the end, and all these other things? So I'm excited for us to get into this together. Really excited this summer to kind of look, look at this together. But we are in Ephesians. We're going to end our time in Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians is one that has told us over and over again who God is how loving he is, how gracious he is, how he's come to rescue us. It has destroyed many lies that I every day want to believe about who God is. He's not with me. He doesn't love me. He's not gracious towards me, that I'm too big of a sinner to approach him. It tells us who God is, and it, it encourages me to want to be with God. And it's like the pastor thing to say, but a person that I like to be around is God. And I don't know how much I actually even think of that. When I think of that, that question, I think, oh, there's some people in my life I really love, my family. Obviously, apparently, I like that my daughter beats me in video games. <laughs> I would uh, beg to differ, maybe, on that <laughs> fact. But, um, but I, truly, like, what gets me through often is that the fact that the God, creator of the universe, is with me. Um, and if I believe that, it changes my day. And if I uh, believe the things that are true about that God, it changes our day. And today is no different. We're going to end the book of Ephesians um, after a long, uh, not a long, but a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus to encourage them that reminds them all that God has done for them, that he's pursued them since the beginning of time, loves them, has brought them from death to life, has given them new beings, has made, given them new life that they can shed off their old life and put on this new life. And then, and then he ends it with this charge that, that it's not, we're not done, that we're still kind of in battle with these spiritual forces, that there are real enemies. And so that's where we're going to end today um, in this book. We've been using the same kind of imagery throughout the book of, of Ephesians, explaining how the book of Ephesians reminds us that this, this uh, gospel, this good news, that God has rescued us, that God loves us, that he's made us people with a purpose, uh, satisfies this inner desire we have of safety and significance. And that once those are kind of satisfied, we get filled, once we are changed people, then we are people who are sent out to walk in love. As we read through. And what does it look like to walk in love? What does it look like to be people who are gentle, who, who are <laughs> humble, who move towards people in love, who aren't doing it just for our own gratification to serve ourselves, but to love those around us well. And even in the last few passages we've looked at the last few weeks, what does it look like in certain relationships, in a marriage relationship, in a parenting relationship, in a work relationship, how it changes all things and changes us and people around us and how we walk. And so today we get to this end and he says, finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He reminds us that if we're not careful, we're gonna start thinking like the people that we're around are just enemies and our goal is to just fight with one another or is to push them away or is to win some kind of battle against them. He's saying, it's true, you've been changed. God has given you new life and this is what relationships look like in this new life. And there's humility and gentleness in this and there's great love in this and grace. There's truth that's spoken in love. He says, and the real enemy here that you're gonna have to fight day after day is one who we call the devil, this evil one who wants us to not do that, to not know those truths, to not live in that new life, and to not walk in love those around us. We hear this same language throughout scripture. Satan's actually, or the enemy or the accuser is defined, sometimes given an image. One of them is a lion. It says in 1 Peter, be alert and sober, uh, of sober mind, your enemy is the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Well, his purpose is to kill here, other, other places in scripture, to kill, to steal, to take, to, to shut us down. And you can picture that image of Daniel and the lions and right, those lions should have devoured him. We also hear of an image of Satan being a serpent or a snake. This is the first time we encounter the accuser he comes in Genesis 3. God has created the world and his people and he's created this incredible place where they can be there and be his people. They're safe. They're significant. They're loved. And then this serpent comes. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the, uh, than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, hear this phrase, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? They were given this, this command by God. They were saying, hey, God said, I don't want you to eat from this tree in the garden. You have all these other trees and it's this incredible place. This is one thing I'm asking you not to do. And, and Satan comes and says, did God really say that though? He comes right to me right away, questions, is this true though about God and you, who God is and who you are? He asks this really important question that I want us to think about all morning here as we look through what's gonna be called the armor of God. He says, did God really say? I think this is where Satan often attacks us. Did God really rescue you from death? I know you read in Ephesians and your church has been going through that and you keep saying God's brought you from death to life. He's made you a family. He's filled you with the spirit. He's given you a purpose. He gives you every spiritual blessing. He gives you redemption through the death and blood of Jesus Christ. He forgives you of your sins. You're a huge sinner. Do you really think God forgives you of all your sins. There's ones that no one knows about. There's no way. Did God really say there's that much grace? Did God really say he loves you no matter what? Did Jesus really die? I, that's, the, that's the one that comes after me and I go, is it? And I start considering and thinking and it changes my heart and my mind. And, and the serpent has convinced me yeah, maybe those things aren't true. Maybe the real gospel here, this incredible news of grace and love that comes through Christ, maybe it's not true. Maybe God didn't really say that or really mean that. Did he really say those things? 
And so he encourages us to do something. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Who's, whose armor? God's armor. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, to which is the word of God. He, he paints this picture. He says, hey, the people of Ephesus, you've seen Roman guards, Roman soldiers all over the place, in the streets, maybe even today on your walk to church or your walk home, you're going to walk by one. They're going to have all this armor on. And I want you to picture those things and be reminded that God has given you this. He has given you clothes to wear. And these are, these are clothes you can wear into battle against Satan's lies. As he says, did God really say you're going to be armed and ready not just to defend, but to go on the offensive in these lies? I, it's hard to ex really explain this, so I have a video. Actually, uh, Leanna sent this to me this week that uh, I think explains this much better than I can. Is it, are you guys ready for this video? I think this will help explain all this better than I ever could. I normally don't like recommend TikTok, <laughs> but there isn't it great? There's things that it has redeemed it a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for the for the uh, message this week as well. I would not have found that video, but that explains it, right? Everyone clear now on what <laughs> the armor of God is. The the rump one is <laughs> kills me. Oh, I might have watched it a lot of times. Okay, maybe there's some more explanation we can do with this armor. There's these. These uh, six things listed, right, that Paul says, hey, put these on, and he gives them kind of certain titles. I think maybe those are all to explain, really, ultimately, as we put Jesus on, as we clothe ourselves in Jesus, as we hear in, in, in Ephesians 4, we just heard this earlier in the book, you, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So he's saying you kind of had an old self, and as Christ has rescued us and given us new life, we can put that off to be made, into the, it made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We call this, I hope sometimes, the Jesus jacket. God, Christ has died on a cross. He's risen. He's given us new life. And we get to put his righteousness on, his rightness with God. We get to put his holiness on. God didn't say, hey, you're just really good and I want you on my team. He says, Jesus is really good and has done the work on a cross so you, know, you can put that on. And so he's encouraging us to put this armor on that's him. And then what does the armor look like? These seem to be a list of really all that we've already heard in Ephesians. Put on all that we've just learned about who you are in Christ. And those are be what's going to defend and also give you the ability to fight off 
Satan's lies, when he says, did God really say? And, and these things, and, and we're actually look, instead of TikTok, we might look to someone who's a little more credible, uh, Dr. Adeyemo, who I, who I love. He describes each of these in a way that has been really encouraging to me. He says first, the belt of truth, a belt tied up, tied up one's robe so they did not get in the way and was what one tied one's sword to. Wearing a belt thus signals that one is ready for action. Knowledge of the truth, that is, Jesus and the gospel and the Bible prepares us for battle that lies ahead. The belt actually was used by a soldier. They had long robes and they'd actually tuck their robe in so that their legs were free and they were like ready to move into battle. And so this belt of truth first starts us understanding this, the truth of the gospel. It is true of who Jesus was, that he did exist and that the good news that he's come and died and rose and has ascended to heaven and is king today and forever. And so we first start, we're ready to go. Our, our robe is tucked in. Okay, we're ready to move. We can be agile because of this great truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protected the heart and the vital organs. Our integrity and character need to be safe from attack by the enemy. But self-righteousness offers no protection. We need the official breastplate that Christ gives when he supplies us with his righteousness. I love how he describes this. The breastplate would have protected people's hearts. And so, so being, understanding our righteousness, our rightness with God comes from the work that Jesus has done. And that's what protects our hearts, protects our, our inner motives. And that's what's given us right standing with God is because of the work that Christ has done. The sandals of gospel peace. I love that he says sandals instead of shoes. I just think that sounds cooler and it sounds more bible uh, With our shoes on, we are ready to move out. We must be prepared to walk long distances in order to prepare the good news of the gospel of Christ that brings ultimate peace to the world. Not only are we ready to move and our hearts can be protected because of what Christ has done, we too now are given these gospel shoes that allow us to move forward. That we don't just stand and, and hunker down and hope that Satan doesn't come and like wait, but we got shoes on that we can move forward. This passage reminds me um, of Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. In the time that even this would have been written, there, there was uh, this thing that happened. Uh, they didn't have newspapers necessarily the same way we did. They didn't have 24-hour news Kind of sounds nice, actually, a time without that. And they didn't have social media. They couldn't even email each other. They would send messengers between cities. So there was a person who would be on the lookout for a messenger, maybe enemies or other things, but they'd be looking for a messenger to come way far away through the mountain pass. They'd see a person moving, and they'd say, oh, they're coming with news. Whether it's from another village, another city, maybe that was they're just passing through cities to let you know what was happening in the world. There was a, de a decree that was sent out by the local leader or a king. That's how you got your news. And they say at that time how, how you knew uh, what kind of news it was going to be was how they ran. And this was because uh, when a messenger came, they often were greeted with um, like a response whether their news was good or bad. So if you brought bad news, to the town, you may actually get like the brunt of that news. Like, in fact, there's people who are killed because they brought bad news. The messenger was literally killed for bringing bad news. But if you brought good news to the city, people celebrated. 
You could even be considered a kind of a celebrity for the moment because you're the one who brought the great news. And so they say as messengers would run in, the lookouts could, could tell if they were bringing good news or bad news before they got there because someone who's bringing bad news would be hesitant, maybe even walking, maybe even they said pacing or like going, okay, I don't know if I want to go tell them this. Maybe I should just uh, run away. But if you're bringing good news, you were bounding. They said there was often a cloud of dust behind you because you're running so hard and fast because you couldn't wait to bring the good news. Because it's beautiful when someone brings good news. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Why? Because they're bringing news of peace, of good tidings. They're proclaiming salvation. They're saying, our God reigns. That's what we get to do. We get to put on the sandals of gospel peace and we get to go and bring good news. Often I find myself maybe a little hesitant. Dust is not flying up behind me uh, in that time. I'm in fact a little hesitant when in fact I'm bringing the best news in the entire world. What about the shield of faith? The shield was used to stop things like flaming arrows hurled by the enemy. If our faith is firmly rooted in Christ, there's nothing the enemy can do to us as our strong faith will block all of his assaults. Our faith is anchored in the foundational truths of our salvation. We get to put on Jesus as a breastplate, as shoes, as a belt, and we get to have a shield that protects us. The devil's arrows come at us. Even flaming arrows, they said these shields would be sometimes as big as a soldier, more like this, more rectangular. And those shields, sometimes they'd even um, put leather and cloth on them and soak them in water so that when actual flaming arrows came, they'd be extinguished. They wouldn't start the shield or the person on fire. The other really interesting thing about shields is these shields were used and built in a way that you could combine your shields to protect together. You could also combine your shields to protect someone who was maybe injured or wounded or maybe someone who didn't have a shield at the time or didn't have armor on. You could protect others around you just by gathering and putting your shields all together. I love that image that we have this opportunity to bring this great gospel news and in part of that, we get to help defend the lies of Satan when he says, did God really say, does he really love you? Does he care for you? We get to say, we get to tell block some of those. I think at a time when sometimes I think we might even be the ones flinging some of those flaming arrows, we're very far from even blocking a friend with our shield. And so what an opportunity for us to think, Hey, am I someone who's holding my shield? Am I clothed with Christ? Is he the one blocking these, these arrows? Let's keep moving here. The helmet of salvation, the helmet protects the head. All right, that makes sense. Our salvation means the forgiveness of our sins, reconciliation with God, and the gift of grace and eternal life. This salvation protects us and gives us a sure hope of final deliverance from this body of sin and from this wicked world. We get a helmet to put on our heads this time protecting our minds, one of salvation, one reminding us that we have been rescued and saved by Jesus. I think this is so fitting because often I find myself, this first gets in my mind. Maybe my heart is, feels protected and I feel like I'm moving towards people in love and in peace, but my head's the first place that I'm driving in my car and I start having a thought and that thought kind of starts spinning around and I start going, did God really say Am I really who he says I am? Is he really who he says he is? I find myself spiraling to unbelief in those moments. It sort of trickles down into my heart. It's like a sneaky way around the, the breastplate into my heart. And so our salvation, our assurance, and our rescue 
and of eternal life and of this gift of grace can protect me when I re- I'm reminded of this, of this thing. When I open my Bible and over and over I hear of the grace of God, it reminds me, oh yeah, 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 that's not true. Those things aren't true. And lastly, the sword of the spirit, the only offensive weapon that a believer carries is the word of God. And that weapon has more than enough power to wound and defend the enemy. We have this incredible thing in the word of God that reminds us of who Jesus is. We read, we open, we crack this open anywhere and we're reminded of who God is and how good he is and who he's created us to be, who's created us not to be. And this continues over and over to remind us and give us a weapon when Satan says, hey, I don't know if God said this. We can say, yeah, yeah, he did actually. He said this. I, I can read that to you. We saw Jesus do this in the wilderness after his baptism. The word is so important, not just because we want God to be happy we're reading his word. It's so important because it allows us to defend lies from Satan. So what do we do with all this? We get our armor on, and what do we do? Soldiers receive their discipline through drills and exercises, but soldiers of Christ derive strength and our power and our discipline through prayers and supplications. Where is he getting that from? Praying is how we, how we form these habits. Praying is how we continue to arm ourselves. That's what Ephesians says. As we continue and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will, be fearlessly, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I love, I love that just little side on this Paul who was writing this, who's someone we all look, look up to. We think Paul who wrote a bunch of the New Testament says, please pray that I would be bold. When I'm feeling like, I don't know if I can share this. I don't know if I can talk about this gospel stuff. Oh, it's even hard for Paul. But he gives us this image, this, this task. He says praying is what is going to train us up, is going to give us strength. Because what praying does isn't, it isn't us walking and saying, God, I need some stuff. Can I have it? Praying is an opportunity for us again to just say, God, I can't do this. Just this week, Jackie Hill Perry said this. She uh, posted this on Instagram, and I think it really fits well, because I don't find myself in a very prayerful life sometimes. And I just feel like, how, how am I going to fight off lies? How am I going to believe these things that are true that I've heard in the book of Ephesians and through all scripture? And she says this, prayerlessness is almost always a humility issue. We like to believe that we don't pray because of our busyness or that we just lack discipline or we need to do better. At the end of the day, though, we're just a proud bunch. It's a good description for a church. <laughs> just a proud bunch. Pride deludes us into thinking we're self-sufficient, that our jobs supply our needs, our relationships provide comfort, our intellect and ambition made us successful. But in fact, everything you are and everything you have is because God reigns on the just and the unjust. So then to become more prayerful, we have to be honest, literally embracing the reality that we are perpetually needy even when it doesn't feel like it. When I pray, I'm saying, God, I, I need you. I'm not saying, hey, I got all these, these, this armor on and I'm gonna go after it. I'll let you know how it goes, God, because we even forget whose armor it is. We forget who we're going into battle with. Think of the story of Daniel and the lions. Did Daniel go into that pit and he like was a lion whisperer? And he was like, oh, he just knew what to do and they were all like, oh, hypnotized by Daniel? No, 
right? Daniel went in, he didn't fight off lions. He was clothed in prayer and God silenced the lions. Did David go and fight Goliath? Did he put on, remember this? He even put the king's armor on. He was like, I don't need that. I got God with me. David didn't defeat the giant. God was with him and entered battle with him and defeated the giant. Did, jo- did Moses part the Red Seas? That, God was there, right? I don't think Moses again, like the rest of his life, every time he was by a body of water, was like, oh, yeah, isn't that cool? I could do this. God was there. He rescued his people through impossible odds. Again, they needed him. And he came to them. All the stories of the disciples in the New Testament, healing people, proclaiming the gospel, being really bold, even in the face of death. Was that just because they were really great orators? They were great speech uh, givers? Maybe they had degrees in like church planting. In fact, in, in, in uh, Acts 4, it tells us they were ordinary people. They were astonished by them because they were ordinary, uneducated people who'd been with Jesus. Again, it's who we're with. And I think, how often do I think I rescued myself? I made myself alive. And we forget Jesus has done that. And that clothing myself in him is what I need to bring into battle. Now, this happened to me um, twice this week as I wrap up here. Um, if Jordan wants to come up uh, so we can sing a little bit together. This happened to me twice this week that this was very real to me. Um, it was one of those cool things where I had these and I sat down to prepare for this week. And I thought, oh, God just showed me these. I had a moment this week, our elders got to go up to Camp Lebanon, all the elders of, of our Hope locations and our, just our Columbia Heights uh, elders got to go on this lake. This is Cedar Lake at Camp Lebanon. We got to take a little pontoon boat out there and we turned the engine off. It was pretty magical. And we just floated in this lake and we took time to pray for all of you. Uh, a, lot, a lot of time. We have a whole list of all of you and, and all your sins. And we, uh, <laughs> we don't, we don't. We don't, I don't have that big of a spreadsheet. Uh, no, we just have a list of all your names. So we love you and we like, I want to see your name and pray for you. I, I don't just go like, our church, God, we need you. It, it was really powerful for me and for a lot of reasons and it was really special to get to just pray. But one of the things that was really special for me was as I sat there and started praying, I had this overwhelming kind of burden. Oh my goodness, all these sinners, how are we going to help them? Actually, really just, there's a lot of people and uh, as shepherds of this church, we have a lot of responsibility and we take it very seriously and how can we care for them and love them? How can we help them uh, grow in their gospel and their community and their mission? And as we prayed more and more and more for all of you over and over, um, this burden kind of lifted from me. The more I prayed, the more I ended up praying things that I needed as well and the more I realized, oh, I can't do any of this. We're all just needy, needy sheep who need a good shepherd and we have one. I was really, really blessed by it. It was a reminder in the midst of praying for our church that, that Jesus is our good shepherd and we're all just doing this together and, and he's the one we need. I mean, prayer did that, just sitting and praying, reminding me of that need. And then I get home, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I get this great request. We have this app, here's a little plug for our app. We have a Hope app and we have messaging in that. We've created recently a men's and women's group in there. You can send messages and goofy gifts and things. I had this incredible prayer request that came through. Notification, 
And a guy from in the men's group, a guy from Heights here said, hey guys, it's been a tough few weeks because if you remember on Tuesday, there was a shooting at a school. It's terrible. He said, I don't know what to do. And he said, I, I need to figure out something because in the past days, my mind um, has been on this and I need an outlet that, that's not rage or politics. And I thought, I, I think we should pray. And so he said, would others join me in praying for our local schools? Would, could we just as men here at Hope Heights, could we agree every hour one of us will pray? Not for a whole hour, um, but just every hour. And so it was cool. All of a sudden you just see like, I'll take eight o'clock, I'll take 10 o'clock, I'll take 6 a.m. Someone's up at 6 a.m. praying for schools. And not that just, we're just praying that there's action to be taken, but man, I was encouraged. I thought, what an opportunity for our, our church to come together and put our shields together and defend evil and, and Satan's evil schemes and say, I'm just going to ask the Lord, we need you. Again, I was just so, I thought, yeah, why? my first thought wasn't prayer. How encouraging. And so we have an opportunity here to defend from the, did God really say? He did. And it's true, you've been rescued. And God says, I will protect your hearts and your minds. I'll give you gospel feet to bring that good news. I will give you gospel truth to fight off lies. I have made you alive and I have made you a family. And together you get to bring justice and light and push back darkness in our community. That great news? We're not, that's not alone. We're, God is with us. He has clothed us in that and we get to do that. And right now in our service, we're going to take time to respond to that good news and do that together. A few questions to consider. Do you know Jesus has protected you from death, Satan, and sin? Maybe today's the day to say, yeah, I actually do believe that. I want to put on my Jesus jacket and trust in him for righteousness. Maybe consider what lies you've been believing. Where have you said, did God really say? Who is fighting beside you? Who shields you? Maybe who today do you get the opportunity to shield from some lies, bring truth? And just considering what if we woke up all week and we said, God, where are you going to take my gospel feet this week? What peace do I get to bring? I hope we like to uh, celebrate this good news of the gospel by singing. We're going to sing a few songs. We have communion out in the hallway. You can head out in the hallway and um, take communion. Uh, and um, we also have stickers here, special week with kids around. If you want to take your whole family out there or bring a, a friend with, um, I think Gideon sounded, he was pretty excited to go. Uh, take them out, and there's stickers. So even if your kid isn't taking communion, if they just want to put a sticker, if you're an adult who wants a sticker, that sticker just to remind you of what Christ has done on the cross. We also have people in the back of the room who can pray for you. We, we love to pray for one another. So let me pray for us, and then feel free to take communion and sing and pray. Maybe just reflect. Uh, we're going to sing a few songs before we end our service. Lord, thank you for your goodness that you've come to rescue us, that while we were dead, deserving wrath, your love was far too great to leave us there. And you sent Christ to die on a cross so that we could have life. That is really good news. I pray we would believe that and that you'd protect us from believing other things and that we would live out of that and Lord, this week we would bring with our gospel shoes on gospel peace to those around us. Pray this in your really good name. Amen.